College Soccer Nation, September 13th. We are hot in the middle of the season. Everybody's rolling. Let me bring in Chris Petroselli, the head coach of the SMU Mustangs, on this Monday after a wild week of games for you, Chris. How how uh, how's everything going there in, in Dallas? <laughs> well, shoot, we're doing okay. Yeah, we're pretty good. Yeah. You know, uh, three games in uh, in seven days against three really good teams, and fortunate for sure to to be where we are with with three wins. But it's a good week for us for sure. Absolutely. Let's get into it today. So um, we have Karen Ferguson Baines on. Um, she's going to be, I think, great. We all love Fergie. Um, she's always fun to talk to and is always very witty and is a New Yorker. So yeah. that's a very important piece to it. I love having New Yorkers on. She's a little different New Yorker than I am, but still the same state. I'm sure she loves as much as I do. Um, and then Sue, our, our power five is superpowers, right? I like that one. That, Our that top five superpowers. Interesting discussions. <laughs> it will be. I have a lot of questions in mind. I'm not. I'm not real confident in mine like I normally am, but it will be fun to discuss. There's no question Good. about it. Um, okay, we want to get right into it. Uh, we'll have Brian come on here in a few minutes, but yeah. let's get into. I have a question for you tonight, Chris. Okay, great. And it kind of it kind of spurned off of uh, watching the game last night with you in 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 uh, in Rice, and um, it's very good coverage. And the announcer for the Rice game is is first class. The guy, I know he does some Houston Dash stuff. He's as good as there is out there. And, and you know, I'm friends with some of these guys um, that I think all do a great job. But this guy is right right near the top yeah, for I think me. He's very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So the question is this. This is, comes from uh, Richard from Homa, Louisiana. Okay. Uh, um, would you rather watch a game with a terrible broadcast film or terrible announcers you have to have the announcers on to watch the game. So which one would you rather do? So say it's, you know, it's not zoomed, it's zoomed in or whatever. The film quality is poor, uh, but, or you have to listen to the game and the announcers are awful. Well, first again, Richard, someone has uh, written your name down and sent in a dumb question. <laughs> so you need to find out who's doing that to you. Um <laughs> If I had to make a choice, yeah, I you would do. choose to watch the better quality uh, filming mm-hmm. and deal with the announcer as opposed to not being able to see it that well. Okay. Seeing is important to me, Matt. Seeing, seeing it, especially at your age, Chris, I worry yeah, about no, your eyes a little bit. It gets so harder see, and harder every see, year. Seeing so. is important. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I have an issue, Chris, I'm going to bring up to you. Okay. Okay, so... In the United Soccer Coaches, we have the rankings, top 25 rankings and regional rankings. So there are yes. eight regions. Uh, the, uh, not commissioner, the chair of the ends at the USC Coaches Committee is Brian Lee, who we'll talk with in a minute. He yeah. has appointed me a few years ago as, as chair of the rankings committee. Yeah. So I took that responsibility. That as it, at, at its best. Yes, and I, I've uh, I've taken that responsibility to heart, and I feel like it's important that as a group we have the right top twenty-five rankings, just like they do in in football and basketball and baseball and everything else, right? Yes, you've worked hard. So huh? here, yes, we spend time on it. I spend a lot of time on it, and I've gotten a ton of complaints this year, and rightfully so. Let me say that. Let me say that. Rightfully so. And, and Chris, I don't care how the rankings come, whether who's first, second, the, the, the way that it's ranked, 
I don't care. What I care is the validity of the polling system. And we have it very clear. We have 34 people that are assigned to rank every week, one through 25. And then we have these sub-regional committees in each region that are supposed to put in a top 10 each week of their region, okay? And so the 34 people look at those rankings and they are supposed to vote on who the top 25 are in their opinion, but they are supposed to go in line with what the regional ranking committee comes up with. So for example, if let's say LSU is number one in the South in our in the Southeast region and um, Tennessee is number two, then if you want to vote, if you want to vote LSU number five, you cannot put Tennessee number two or vice versa, whatever, right? Yeah. So it's pretty simple. That that to me does not seem difficult, right? That's but not difficult. Every, every week I'm getting complaints from coaches that are legitimate, that well, how in the world is this person ranked here or that person ranked there? And the answer is this. We do not get full support of the voting. So you may get, like, for example, I'm just going to give you the numbers because they're really ticking me off. Last week, we had less than 20 voters of the 34 vote. So we're missing 15 or 16 votes. So I get that it's diff- I get it's time consuming. I get that you have to spend you know some time to look at who the top 25 are and put them in and look at the regional rankings. But if you don't want to do it, Chris, don't do it. Yes. Right. Don't don't rank. I don't really care if you rank or not. But if you're signed up to rank, then rank the people. So we have a legitimate poll so people can at least so I can say to these people, listen, everybody voted and that's where you fell. But if people aren't voting, then how can I say that? And my name is on the, the dang thing on the United Soccer Coaches. And it just ticks me off that these people are not voting and making our poll a joke. Because right now, the United Soccer Coaches top 25 National poll is a joke because we don't have full commitment of people voting. Okay, Bravo, I'm done. Maddie. Bravo. I'm done. Look at you taking a stand, you know, <laughs> making a statement, coming out strong. You it's ridiculous, Chris. Strong. It's ridiculous. It's not hard. It's it 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 takes you if you if you spend a half an hour on it, good for you. You've done a good job. But it doesn't need to be more than that. And so if you don't want to vote, that's fine. We'll find people to vote. You know, we, we joked on the poll last fall because there were only the four conferences playing, but I had six people that voted, two people from each, or eight people, sorry, two people from each conference voted every single week, and the poll was so much more legitimate than it is now because we have, you know, 20 out of 34 voting. It's a joke. Yeah, there, I mean, there are plenty of examples, and, and this year, has, you're right, has been probably the worst. Um, plenty of examples of teams that um, – you know, they're 10th in the region and mm-hmm. receiving votes or something like that yeah. compared to teams that are, you know, ranked in their region three or four or five, six, seven spaces higher. Um, it's very uh, self-serving many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that people don't vote, for me, if you don't vote, like you should get like, you know, one, you get to miss once. If you miss the second one, you get replaced. Someone else comes yeah. on who will do it. It just doesn't make sense to me that that people don't take it seriously. And it's it's a real lack of professionalism. It is, Chris. It really and is. You, you have people that will vote if their team wins. And if yeah. their team doesn't win, they don't vote. I mean, it's yeah, a joke. Really. And, it, you know, there's people on there that are listed on there as voters that haven't voted in a year or two. And, and again, it's, be on. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we're, we're looking to revamp it. We're going to revamp it at the end of the season. But right now I've spent way much too much time answering emails and phone calls of people upset with me having absolutely no answer for them, but to agree with them that it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, again, it would never fly in other sports and it no, just is a lack of professionalism. I agree. For sure. Anyway. For okay. Sure. We can move on from that one. I had to get that off my chest. Okay. I hope you feel better. Right. Thank you. I don't, I don't hear that, that um, may, uh, may get you riled up. It's got me riled up. Okay. All right. Uh, score from the week. South Alabama, 15. Alcorn State, zero. Mm, yeah. Seems a little bit much to me. Like, you, you don't have to score 15 goals. You don't have to keep running it up and running it up and running it up. At some point, you can stop scoring. And, you know, um, Hanson always had the rule of he, he went to nine, didn't want to go into double figures. And, my God, how many chances does he had to go to 20 if he wanted um, and if, you know, somebody like that makes that sort of decision, I think we probably all should, should learn from it some. So there's no need to embarrass these kids. They're college kids that are trying their best and, uh, continuing to score on them and run it up and run it up and run it up. Um, it's just, um, a little bit of a, uh, I, I think again, we're back to lack of professionalism. Um, yeah, shame on South Alabama. Honestly, that to me, it's disgusting. It makes no sense. Um, we've all had been in that opportunity where we've played a weaker opponent that you can score whatever you want and and shame on those guys. And and it's unacceptable in, in my opinion. You know, I was a Division three coach where there were games where I was lucky to have 11 players and teams um, could certainly run it up. And you saw the teams that had some respect for the game and respect for the, the university they're playing and respect for – um, those athletes, like you said, and then you had, I had an instant Chris when I was a basketball player. We talked about that with Nancy. I, I coached basketball as an assistant for one year. We lost by 99 points in one game, <laughs> 99 points. The, the, the coach, and they shot a three at the end that rimmed out or we were lost by a hundred and that coach pressed us the whole yeah, game. No and what no. good does that do? No I mean, need. that rec- listen, if, if you lose seven, eight, nine, nothing, I agree with Anson hit it on the head. If you lose seven, eight, or nine, nothing, fair enough. It goes in the record, but it's fine. You lose 15, nothing. I mean, it's just shameful. He, 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 I'm sorry. Um, I know the South Alabama coaches, and he should be ashamed of himself, if I'm being yeah. honest. I mean, a poor goalkeeper, right? Or I don't know if they use more than one, but whatever. I mean, you could just continue to score and continue yeah. to score. And- you can keep possession. You yeah. can, you know, say only scoring diving headers or bikes or whatever. You can keep possession. And I trust me, keeping possession – for long periods of time is much more respectable than continuing to score. No, they should be ashamed of themselves. I, I think it's disgusting. Maddie, you are on fire today. <laughs> I mean, you are on fire. You can't come no, out just, swinging. Hey, call him like I see him, Chris. <laughs> call him like I see him. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any place in our game for that, honestly. And, and um, shame on them. And I think, and I think they're, the majority of people will, will agree. Some people will disagree, but sure. You know, no, but I, I think you hit it on soccer. It's not professional sports. It's college. Exactly. It's it pro. It's pro. Hey, they're pro athletes. Get paid, right. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. but absolutely no. Um, that's not, that's not right. It's not right. So, sure. and I, listen, I, I would call, call the South, South uh, Alabama coaches say it to his face. I don't care. I don't agree with it. So anyway, yeah, all right. We all feel the same way. Well, you think Ryan feels the same way? 
Well, let's bring him in and find out. Coach, the big deal is with us. Brian, uh, good evening. How are you on Monday the 13th? I'm doing fantastic. You know, I don't know how closely you follow ESPN, but uh, Stephen A. Smith just booted Max Kellerman, and I think Matt might be bucking for a little spot on. Oh, that's what's happening. Now I know what's going on. Hey, Stephen A., I'll take your call if you call. I'll take your call. Right now he's doing one guy a week. I think you could go right in between, uh, who is it, Marcus Spears and uh, Michael Irvin. Yeah, that'd that'd be perfect. Maybe Mina Kimes, get Matt Martin there, talk a little soccer. (laughs) Stephen A. would love it. (laughs) Uh, Great. I I will say this about Stephen A. You know, I I have a hard time – liking him but i kind of do and i the thing the biggest issue is i agree with him all the time i mean i just, you know part of it's because he's a big cowboy hater so that's that's kind of fun you um did you have an extra diet coke or something before you came on <laughs> because you are fired up i <laughs> uh, just i i got another call about the rankings today and i was just like enough's uh, enough so i'm gonna okay. bring it to the but and uh, then that 15 nothing come on brian what's your thought on it you know, I think if Anson, when I was a young coach, right away I heard Anson's 9-0 thing. And uh, when I first heard it, I was like, I don't know, what do I, what do I think about that? And then I saw the discrepancy in some of the teams. And it's perfectly reasonable. And if it's good enough for Anson, it's it's good enough for me. Well, that's right. That's you right. It's the way when's I last time, When was the last time Florida State beat somebody by double digits? I don't think I've ever seen it. No, of course not. Hey, Respect honestly, the game, I, don't think they nine. I might yeah. rather they beat me by double digits than I chase them around for nine yeah. hundred <laughs> times. Go ahead and score. This is this is death by time. At least, hey, at least, at least you get to touch it on the kickoff. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, oh, true. so true. All right. All right. So uh, big results here from mm. uh, from the weeks. Talking about Florida State, two one win over Auburn at Auburn. Uh, Clemson with the big in-state win over South Carolina, 2-1. to one. UCLA beats Santa Clara, 1-0. UCLA looks like they're rolling. Penn State with, I think, a bit of an upset, 4-2 uh, to two over Virginia. Oh, your, your lovely Virginia, so Virginia team, Virginia. Chris. Oh, Virginia. boy. Yeah, that one's a little, little surprising. Georgetown, 1-0 over Rutgers. TCU continues to roll, 4-1 to one over Oklahoma State. I'm sorry, over Ohio State, and then Oklahoma State and Texas A&M 1-1. And um, Santa Clara and Cal, um, COVID was the winner as that game was canceled. Any of those stand out for you, Brian? Well, you know, the Penn State sweep of the ACC, they not only beat Virginia, they beat NC State, who looks pretty good so far. Um, I've actually watched NC State play twice, and I was quite impressed. So for Penn State to come in, coming off the loss to Central Florida and and beat two ACC teams on a weekend, that's a big deal. You know, And a couple teams who have been perennial top 10 teams, Georgetown, Clemson, those were huge results for them this week. Georgetown's had a couple draws that were unexpected early, and Clemson obviously haven't looked like the Clemson of the last year or two, but – and he's a great coach, and it looks like he's getting that figured out here. And huge win for him to win the South Carolina Derby. Let me let me say this to you guys. Let me ask you a question. Who the hell is Rutgers? Do we know? Do we do we know who they are? Yeah. They have they have some great wins. 
and then they'll lose. Like I, I feel like I don't know Rutgers. Yeah, that's how I feel about them. Like they, they'll go in the league and they'll they'll knock off Penn State, but then they might struggle with someone weaker. Like I can never figure them out year after year because I'm ready to ordain them a a really top contender uh, in that league and, and nationally. But then again, losing to Jordan, don't get me wrong, losing to Georgetown, Georgetown's excellent. But I just never know. You never know what you're getting out of Rutgers, in well, my I, opinion. I actually think that that traditionally what you're getting is uh, a lot of defending and and really really hard to score against. Um, they've always been that way, and, and Mike's teams have always been been tough to break down. But they look like they have a little more firepower here recently. Um, and I am a little surprised by some of these results. I mm-hmm. I, I thought that. Uh, you know they really were going to make it, make a run at it this year, and they they still might. Uh, sure, but yeah, they usually defend pretty well. Well, all these non-conference scores are always super interesting, but I, I have to give a qu- uh, credit to Brian. I think it's Brian said, you know, we'll all start finding out about everybody when we start conference plays, and that Absolutely. is so true, so Absolutely. so true. And yeah. the Rutgers' success of recent years. As a youth player producing state, New Jersey is super underrated. Oh, yeah. I think there's more national team players than from Texas and Florida. I think there's uh, more college All-Americans coming out of New Jersey than Texas and Florida, and I think the layman wouldn't think that. So but there's a nice pipeline there for Rutgers to be good. For sure. And 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 he and Michael does a good job too. I mean, he's a he's he, oh, very good coach. That's the other piece to it where I'm like, I I don't know. They they uh, they're an interesting one for me. They really are. Sure. All right, Brian, you got something fun for us, huh? Hey, hey but let's see if it'll be fun. Things. <laughs> it's a shot in the dark. Um, I like it. Okay. What we're going to do is conference previews coming out of the non-conference season. Most of the non-conference games are done. Most of the big leagues are starting conference play, so we're gonna we're gonna preview just as Chris dubbed it. I started with Power Seven, but I think especially this year, if you look at it, it's a Power Eight. I think the Big East should be included, mm-hmm. nuts and bolts. So the way it'll work, I'm gonna give you a phrase that to me describes their non-conference season. <laughs> then we're gonna list. We're gonna put the teams in tiers: championship contenders and maybes. And the surprise team of the league so far. And then you mm-hmm. comment, give your views, points, who's missing, who should be where, got a different surprise team. Someone can challenge for the league title that I didn't mention in there. You guys have at it and debate it. Sounds make- fun. And we'll get your two cents too, Brian, right? Sure, if necessary. So the, only, the only team, the only league that's still got non conference stuff is Big 12, still, right? Because they have the less teams. Must be because they have. Yeah, I don't. Teams, right. Yeah, yeah. I think they have another week of non-conference, but everybody else is is rolling. All right. All right. Let's do it this way, so we know who the power eight is, right? Yes. So, so it's power five plus the AAC, the West Coast Conference, and the in the Big East, right? Correct. All right. All right. Got, Come it. On. got it. You guys, one of you, pick a league, and then we'll throw the statement out there. I'll do my tears, and then we'll go from there. So let's right. start, Chris, with the Big East. All right, the Big East. All right, the Big East. Paranoia around the Hoya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like this idea. I like Georgetown's this idea. has been super dominant, but they have yeah. four, get four of their seven games. 
So it's a little bit wide open. Um, they did what? Say that again. They did what of the seven games? They are 3-0-4. They've drawn okay. times, but a big win yeah. over Rutgers in those mm-hmm. three wins. And they're not drawing, drawing slouches. A couple IVs. You know, they've done mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Really just one tier in this league. And then you two can discuss who's going to win it. Georgetown, Xavier, who's got four big wins. Mm-hmm. He's got three decent wins, three power five wins. Yeah. Can anyone dethrone Georgia or sorry, Georgetown in the big East? Well, I think Xavier can. Uh, yeah. I think, I think Xavier, first of all, I, and, and, and without having their schedules in front of me, Xavier's a, a very difficult place to play and they've been good the last couple of years. Um, and, and they're probably about the only one who can, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's, you know, Butler's been okay, and it looks like Villanova's off to a good start. But uh, to me, Xavier's about the only one who who could overthrow Georgetown. I uh, completely agree. I would I would just add that Georgetown's been so dominant. It, it's really interesting to me that um, some of these other guys haven't been able to come up and catch them um, and make it cl- a close number two because you've had Butler who's done well. Uh, a few years, but I think Xavier's the only one that has a chance. And I think it's a, sl- although they look good. I watched them play. I can't remember somebody early on. I thought they looked very good. And I agree with Chris again, really tough place to play Xavier. So you fancy them in their home games for sure, but only Xavier. And Xavier and Butler both beaten Northwestern and Illinois, but Xavier also beat St. Louis, which is a good win. On for top sure. Of Absolutely. Should be a super competitive and a multi-bid league. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it. Could be. Yeah. Points are that direction. All right, give me another one. Big 10. Big 10. All right. This one is an audio. So it's an audio clue as to what the comment is. Are you ready? Ready. Republican controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the anyone, anyone, depression, passed the. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> the tariff bill, the Holly Smoot Tariff Act, which anyone raised or lowered, raised <laughs> in an effort to collect more revenue for the federal government. Did it work? Anyone? Anyone know the effects? All right. You learned. <laughs> Do you know the movie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, great movie, my favorite movie of all time. So the question is this. Can anyone, anyone, see Penn State Big Ten? All right, your tiers. We got Penn State. I created a little sub-tier for me that says Michigan. And then Indiana, Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Ohio State. Are they contenders? Can anyone unseat Penn State in the Big Ten? Well, and we, we've already talked about it, but I would say Rutgers. Uh, <laughs> Rutgers is a, is a team that, again, doesn't give up goals and, and they have more firepower. So if I was going to choose out of that group, I would choose Rutgers. I, 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 know, I, I know I've been tooting this horn here a little bit, but I'm, I'm going to go Michigan. Michigan's been, I mean, a little rough week for them for sure with the, with the um, tie down at Louisville. But I think they have the quality of players – um, to yeah. upset Penn State, but I think it's a long shot for any team in that league because watching Penn State play UCF 
They are loaded. I'm not Michigan sure about has good players. Michigan, Michigan has, has good, good players. players absolutely. Yeah. So I, I'm going to go with the, uh, the uh, Michigan Wolverines as my possible upset in the Big Ten. I kind of agree with Matt. I think they've got the talent level that's close enough to Penn State. And Penn State has been based on immense talent discrepancy in that league. And my surprise team, by the way, if you've got a surprise team, throw it out there, is Purdue. Having a great Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah They've done yep. well to start. They have. They've yep. done well to start. All right, give us another one. All right, uh, let's go with the AAC. And somehow I knew you were going to say that, Matt. I knew that was coming next. Right. Seven, yeah. Like the Chicago Bulls dynasty, this is UCF's last dance before they go to the Big 12. <laughs> the tears. For me, it's Memphis, SMU, and UCF with a slight drop-off to USF. And then my surprise team, Houston, still lurking. I like you. All right, yeah. so Chris isn't commenting on this because it's his league, right? We've kind of decided that before. Um, I think it's a four-team race. Honestly, I think I've I've played three of them in SMU and Memphis and UCF, and I've watched South Florida enough to know I think they're still in the mix, Brian. I know we we can discuss that, but I think those four all have similar level of talent. I think all four of those... Um, are well coached and play a certainly st- a certain style that fits their personnel, and I think it's going to be who's healthy at the end and where do you play them? Where you know who's at home and who's away? Um, but I think it's a, a great four horse race, uh, which would be um, a difficult to pick at this point because I think Memphis showed a little chink in their armor this weekend by losing to Drake. Um, SMU had a great week. Central Florida is rolling. And, uh, and you can't count out South Florida this point. I mean, they, the way they played last season, bringing everybody back, they're still in this mix for me. It's a really interesting league. I do think it's wide open between the four of them. Memphis, another hot early start. The Drake results, certainly a fly in the ointment that raises some red flags. Um, but it, it, it's wide open. You know, and I think USF's just missing that big win for me compared to the other three. Yeah. And yeah, USF had yeah USF had a, a some good ch- ch- you know good shots at it right could have beaten LSU could have you know could have beaten um, uh, what do you call it um, Tennessee right but was missing and lost both those games the other thing I'd say is that, and then let's just re- say what it is right Memphis played at Drake on the football turf in a really narrow field tough to play there Brian I know you give me a look but it's tough to play there but again that you expect them to win that game you you said Drake right. <laughs> I tell you, I, I am I am not scheduling Drake after watching that game. There is no way we are going to Drake to play. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and I'll do respect. Drake's had some very good teams over the years. They have, yeah, yeah. They have absolutely. They 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 they, uh, they are power in that league a lot of times. So okay, that's a good one. All right, next one up. Let's go uh, Pac-12. Oh. Another, this is the second, uh, we're going to call this one Name That Tune. Oh, audio again. We're going audio. It is audio, name that tune, buzz in when you can name that tune and the artist. <laughs> and the artist. So you name the song Chris. and the artist. You right. get the song and the artist. Oof. Okay. Michael Jackson Thriller. You are out. Chris, Matt cannot guess until you. 
and you 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 should be so ashamed. It's my favorite song by this artist. It's a live version. How long are we gonna do this for? Yeah, let's go ahead. Just tell me what it is. <laughs> oh, Springsteen! <laughs> Come on, your favorite song? What's the song? It's one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs. What's the song, Matt? Come on! I can't even hear it. I'm going down. Yeah, I'm going down. Right. Boom! Nailed it. I'm I'm so disappointed <laughs> in you, Matt. It's like a gimme. It was Chris a is Chris is a bigger as big as free stand fan than I. But anyway, let's go. Okay, so what are we doing? All right, so right. Pac-12, are they going down? <laughs> <laughs> are they on the way down? All right, tears. All right, tears. UCLA, Stanford, Southern Cal. Could be a little unkind to UCLA. Second tier, Arizona State, Oregon State, Cal, Wazoo, and Oregon. What you got? Uh, for me, UCLA has stepped ahead of, uh, of everybody. Um, you know, I, watch, I did watch some of Stanford, and I think Stanford's good. I, I have watched uh, USC. I think they're good. But I think UCLA is, is the class of the league for sure. Um, as far as a, um, a surprise team, um, for the surprise team for me is Oregon State, you know, sitting there un, undefeated at this point. I believe they're undefeated. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ready to say that Oregon State's going to win the league, but they certainly are a surprise, a, a surprise team. Um, I, I don't see anybody challenging UCLA. Um, I haven't watched enough. I, I expected a little bit more out of Arizona State, to be honest. Uh, but I think they'll still be there in the end. I thought they were going to make a big jump forward. Um, yeah, I don't have a big feeling about the rest of my, I, I mean, I wish I did. I don't. Um, but I, I think that it's UCLA and everybody else fighting for second, if you want my honest opinion. All right. Hey, Oregon was my uh, surprise team. The backup last year, it's easy getting new coach bounce in the first mm-hmm. year. I backed it up with year two and a little little tougher schedule than Oregon State so far. Yeah. All right, give me another league. Let's go with the uh, uh, who, oh, Big 12. Big 12. TCU and who? Cool. This is good, Brian. This is, this is nice. <laughs> this is nice. This is nice. All right. Tier one is TCU. Tier two is whoever you want to talk about. Everybody else. Close. Yeah. Where are we at with West Virginia? Chris? I, I, look, I think West Virginia's good. I think I think TCU's better. You know, I think mm-hmm. TCU is, is, is feeling pretty good about themselves. They're rolling. They're scoring goals like crazy. Um, I, I think it's an upset if, if, uh, if anybody beats them in the league. Um, so, for me, it's TCU. If I were going to pick a surprise team now, you know, West Virginia for me isn't a surprise team. Um, yeah. I'd say maybe Texas Tech. They've had a good, they've had a bit of a good run here recently, and um, certainly they have they have some pedigree of of being a good team. So maybe Texas Tech is uh, as the surprise team. I, I don't have a surprise team. I mean, I think Oklahoma State 
um, may get it sorted out and they can become a little bit. I mean, they got the, they're the team, those team like uh, Michigan, they have the horses. There's, there's no doubt. It's just, can they get it kind of figured out? Um, other than and that, I mean, healthy. Kansas. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kansas, Oklahoma State I mean, has to get healthy in, in, in order to, com- yeah. to compete. And, you know, Kim Rodriguez is a fantastic player, but she's not playing. You know, so mm-hmm. until they get her back, they're, they're not probably not going to get it right. Well, in Oklahoma yeah. State, Yoakum took an injury against AM. If she's out for an extended period without her and Rodriguez, Colin's a great coach, but no one's that kind of coach. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Um, yeah, and then West Virginia, they you know, don't count them out. Don't count true. them out. I mean, TCU probably has to go there this year, right? Um, so that will be a difficult one for sure. Yeah. All right, let's go with the uh we ready for the next one, Brian? Whatever you want, yeah. yeah. I think we should go with the Southeastern Conference. All right. The home of the fighting land sharks. Yes. Yes. All right. Like a pig and slop, can anyone catch Arkansas? No, Arkansas will win the league. Um, you know, they're, they're uh, difficult to play against. You know, the, the style makes it difficult on everybody. They've got uh, good players, really good players up front, um, and they work like crazy. I, I, I see Arkansas winning the league um, as the surprise team, and uh, I'll stick with what I said earlier. I'm, I'm sticking with Ole Miss's. As a surprise team, a, a team that on any day could beat anybody as they, you know, bomb the box with with uh, long, long uh, throw-ins and corners and free kicks. And they have the, you know, the, the height to get to the ball in the air and they have a, a fantastic goalkeeper. So uh, for me, I think Ole Miss is a chance. Um, and there are a couple other teams maybe with a chance, but I, I do think it's Arkansas's league. Yeah, me too. I, I don't think Arkansas can lose twice. I'll be surprised if they run the table, but there's too many other pretty good teams in the league for the rest of them not to lose at least twice. And, you know, I see Arkansas as a one-loss league champion there. And for me, the surprise team is Missouri. You know, I don't think the cupboard was full when Galan got there. And the win over Notre Dame, that's a big win to be keeping their head above water. And I think where they're at right now, if they can make the SEC tournament, that's a great season. For so th- you're, you're picking a team that just gave up, gave up seven goals to BYU. Oh, I'm not picking them <laughs> to win anything. I'm just surprised. I think seven goals against BYU might should be the norm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that I'm just giving them kudos for getting a result. Absolutely. And in there and they did score four against BYU. They did score four. They did. Good night yeah. on the other end. Yeah. All right, let's go with the WCC. Okay. All right, pretty simple one. West Coast question marks. It's a super interesting year in the WCC. I'm going Pepperdine, BYU, Santa Clara as as tier one, and Gonzaga as their own little tier two. Going to be super Mm interesting if they can those three. You know, I, I would say Pepperdine to me is the West Coast Rutgers. (laughs) <laughs> that's what I would say. I can't figure them out. They'll win a great game. Then they'll drop one or tie one that you're like, how did that happen? So uh, I don't have a, I can't get my pulse on, on a Pepperdine team. Um, but I think they're good. I, uh, the other, the other two are going to fight it out again. To me, they're going to fight it out again for the, for it at the end. I, I've yet to see Santa Clara this year. 
but BYU now I've seen three times and know that if you got to go to what's the name of their field? Uh, what? Provo. They're in Provo. That's all. They're, yeah, whatever the name of their field is. You got to go there and play. 5,000 people come to watch college soccer. That's yeah. exactly. If you got to go there and play, it's going to be a difficult night for you. Well, I, I, I'm, uh, I believe Santa Clara is going to get sorted out. I think they get too many good players and, and too good of a coaching staff. So I, I, I feel pretty good about Santa Clara winning the league. And Brian, you bring up Gonzaga. That is the surprise team for me. Uh, yeah. You know, we played them a couple of years ago. They, they keep getting better and better and better. Um, and, and in that league where, yes, people are going to lose games because there, there is parity for sure. Uh, Gonzaga is a team that could sneak in there. That's Chris Watkins out there. He used to be the assistant. Yeah. And yeah, when I watched Gonzaga versus Georgia, I clicked it on and I follow Gonzaga basketball. I think that's a really cool thing. And I don't see him wearing red much. I thought the team in red was Georgia. The powerful. <laughs> it looked so athletic. And it was Gonzaga after mm. a couple minutes. That is a really athletic team. In that that's league. a good team. I'm going to be that's super true. interested to see yeah. how they do it. All right. All right. Let's finish up with the granddaddy of them all. Funny you should call it the granddaddy of them all. ACC. One of my favorite books is a book called The Four Kings. It's about Hagler, Hearns, Sugar Ray Leonard, and Roberto Duran. Yeah. Mm. Boxing. Age appropriate in the ACC. (laughs) Four teams led by the four kings. Yes. Florida State, North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia. <laughs> Clear tier one. You know what? And we got a little tier two team. There's plenty of tier two teams, but I'm going to focus on one with the boxing theme. Boom, boom, Mancini, Eddie Rodwanski. <laughs> <laughs> to go with the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Four kings. What do you guys think? What's going to happen? Matt? Do you know, do they play? Do they all play each other? Or they miss each other? Do we know? I, I think they all play each other. I hope so. Because those are four really good games. Well, there's a, whatever, eight. I don't know how to do the math. But the, the idea that those guys play, I, I I couldn't pick one right now. I would be very – Florida State looks as dominant as they've always looked. You know, they're a deserving number one team in the country. Um, I do think they're a smidge better than, than Carolina, but I would not count Carolina out of anything. I know we've said down here it's a broken record, but it really is one of those years. Virginia's loaded, and Duke, to me, Duke is the biggest surprise maybe in the country at how dominant they've been. Uh, the addition of Cooper is, has been great for them, and I like Duke. I, I don't want to pick one. If you put a gun to my head, I'd take Florida State, but um, that is for really, really – I, I know we joked about that early, but it's hard to argue that they're not four or four, the top four, or maybe top four or five best teams in the country. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, for me, Florida state is, is the top one in, in the group. And uh, the addition of, of uh, the kid up front um, that transferred from Florida, I think gives them a real weapon in the front mm-hmm. line that maybe they lacked a little bit last year. Um, so I, in that group, I got, I have uh, Florida state as as a little bit better than the rest, but Man, all of those teams are so good. Carolina is a better team this year than they were last mm-hmm. year. They had a nice run last year. So uh, I think Virginia, um, 
more healthy, although they just lost Jarrett, which I think is a big, uh, a big injury for them. Uh, but Spansha is back looking really good. Um, you know, they've got so many tools and the addition of, of Hopkins now that allows them to play Ardonia's as a 10 and it just so many, so many options there. And as you said, Matt, uh, Duke has made huge strides from a year ago. Michelle Cooper, um, just makes a huge difference for them, gives them a real focal point in their attack. She's a good target player. She can score. She's athletic. Um, so those are, yes, four of the top teams. You, and you can't tell me, Chris, if Duke didn't have to play Florida State in the Elite Eight, it could have been a four-team Final Four. Absolutely. It really could have been, right? So, well, I mean, you I'm saying against, that, In fact or fiction, I you did. argued against it. I did, but I've changed my tune. Okay, good. good. Now, if, if any of us were on – said NCAA committee <laughs> and regardless of what happens in the ACC. Can we please get those four in different brackets to me? You know, Brian, it has nothing to do with conference affiliation, but their non-conference showing has been so good. It would be a shame. And I do think they're going to finish one, two, three, four. There's a yeah. big gap in the ACC to team five. Mm-hmm. Who's team five? Anybody? Yeah. Right? UCLA maybe. No, he's saying team five in the ACC. Oh, in the ACC. In the ACC. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably Clemson, but yes, you know, some of those other ones certainly could, could jump in there. Yeah. Boom, boom. Wasn't in the book. It was the four Kings. Boom, boom was awesome. Um, You know, and you know, trickly enough on the schedule, FSU finishes with the other three, you know, that's their last three games. Yeah. That's our last three games. Really? Yeah. Which, which is interesting because you know, how much do they get pushed between now and then? You know, how much are they challenged in, to prepare them for those last three games? I think it's a, you know, an interesting setup. It is. All right. That's them all. Okay. Good. All right. All right. Nice we job, got Brian. I like that. That, that was, was good. good, Brian. Very good. Good work. Good work. Good work. Good podcast uh, pre-work. We appreciate yes. that. We do here at College Soccer Nation where, um, you know, we, we want to give our listeners everything we can and, Brian, you putting that work in really says a lot to your commitment to College Soccer Nation. We appreciate that. Very professional. Yes. Are we doing upsets in Team of the Week? Yes, Yes. upsets in Team of the Week. Let's go with Team of the Week. I'm going first. It's pretty easy. I'm going to go with the Mustangs from SMU. Three games in one week. Went over Denver away. Went over Oklahoma State at home. And a big win last night down at Rice. Um, Not many people play three games in a calendar week. So uh, congratulations, Chris and SMU on uh, my team of the week. Thank you. That's a good one. Top of the line. All right. Mine is Penn State. When mm-hmm. someone went in and beat any two ACC teams, much less Virginia being one of them and a very good NC state team. So for me, it's Penn state. Maybe they and UCLA look like the challengers to the big four in the ACC. Right. Okay. For me, it's Seattle, Seattle with a two, one win over Washington state. They're sitting at 5-1-1 one, and one right now. They had a tie with Santa Clara. Um, they've got wins against both Portland and uh, Washington State. Mm. Only losses to Oregon State. They play, uh, they play Washington this week, which will be interesting. But that would be uh, my team of the week, Seattle. That, uh, Brian, Chris is on Seattle. I mean, he likes Seattle. He likes Am I? Yeah, I've heard about what? Seattle a couple times. Okay. That's good. That's but he likes okay. Seattle. Yeah, that's true. They are no Virginia. That's good. West Coast. I've heard they're the West Coast Virginia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not quite. Not All quite. right, upset of the week. I'm going. Go ahead. I am going to take 
Um, my upset of the week, this, uh, this team, Middle Tennessee State, they played Friday uh, against ETSU, our friends Jay, Jay Yelm, Matt Yelm, and lost uh, at home. And then they played Vandy on Sunday evening where Vandy played on Thursday. So ETSU, our MTSU played on Friday, Vanderbilt played on Thursday, and they knocked off the Commodores last night 2-1 in Nashville at home. This Peyton DePriest kid is something else, man. She's scoring goals, and they're good goals. So she's, she's not. So give them credit to MTSU after a less rest, losing a tough game to ETSU, and then knocking off um, Vandy. So my team of the week, or my upset of the week, MTSU. Good one. Thank you. Good one. Brian, what do you got? Well, first off, I'm going to give a shout-out to Aston at Middle Tennessee for that win and, more importantly, fending off all the SEC teams from poaching Peyton DePriest (laughs) in the transfer portal. Uh, uh, Good for that. And Peyton DePriest, I mean, that kid can finish. You can't. Yes, you can. He's got 50-something goals now, Brian. 59 goals or something crazy? And and listen, her misses are great. When you watch her misses are really good. Yeah. Um, All right. My upset over the week is uh, Drake two greatest team on. Mm. (laughs) I love Memphis as well, but we got two huge Memphis fans. Yes. win for Drake. I mean, Memphis is legit. That's some top end players team might win the AAC and for Drake to knock them off. That's a big deal. Big win. Big win for Drake. Okay, mine is uh, Air Force One, Navy Zero in the, uh, what do they call that? The Commander's Cup, I believe. Commander's Cup, yeah. Uh, Cup. Um, Navy has clearly been the uh, the top team among the service academies over the years. They look look like they were rolling again this year, but Air Force goes and, and knocks them off. So big win for the Air Force Falcons. Wow. Okay. Good. I appreciate anytime bring up the service, Chris. I appreciate it. I, I know you do, Matt. I know yeah, you do. I do. Is the Coast Guard in the Commanders Cup? Uh, they are or not. Division three. Division three. They're, division sunk. Three. They're oh. sunk. They're not sunk, Chris. They're not sunk. <laughs> hey, they're guarding your coast. Um, all right, Brian. Give us a minute. A few words on uh, Fergie, Karen Ferguson days. Well, let me tell you, it's a super interesting one. I can't wait to hear her story. You know, back in the day, a lot of really experienced players were getting good college jobs and they were kind of one and done. And I think Fergie was a top-notch player who has become a top-notch coach. And during the time, that was more rare than it was common for the them to be able to translate that to the coaching world and enjoy it and live it and love it. Um, so I can't wait to hear her story. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, one of the kind of legends of our game. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Brian. We'll Thanks, get you Brian. out of here on that. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Good luck in your your opener. Hopefully you stay dry as you can down there in Houston. We'll we'll say uh, cross our fingers that the hurricane isn't too uh too devastating for Houston or, or Texas for that matter. All right, good luck, fellas. See ya. All right, Chris, I've been looking forward to this one. We're bringing in our good friend, Karen Ferguson Danes. Uh, Days, sorry, Karen. Uh, but we're happy to have Fergie. We call her Fergie. Um, kind of like the kind of like the rock star Fergie, you know. To she me, she's a little star, more popular. A she star. is a rock star, absolutely. I wish. So, I wish. <laughs> winning his coach in Louisville history, 
Uh, Fergie, what we'd like to always do is talk about have you first start and give us your path to Louisville. And then I think in that, if you can add in just talking about having a, a husband that's a, a coach as well. And, you know, it's interesting. We had Tiffany um, Roberts Sadek on a couple of weeks ago. And she obviously works with her husband uh, as coaches. And you and you obviously don't. Your your coach, your husband, very good college coach as well. So just kind of talk about that and and how that rolls and uh, and give us a little of that, please. Um, yeah, okay, a little memory lane here. Um, I, I can honestly tell you, I never in a million years set out to be a head coach or to even coach in general. Um, soccer was my passion. I was a little tomboy in Long Island, New York, and played with anyone and everyone I possibly could and. Uh, that's all I wanted to do, go to college and play soccer. And I did that. And when soccer ended for me, it was um, it, tragic, to be honest with you, because my whole identity was playing and watching the game and growing up around the game. So uh, I spoke with my senior women's administrator at UConn at the time, and she said, well, stick around here as a in the compliance office as a graduate assistant, and let's see what we can do. So I stayed there for a year, and you both know how um, riveting compliance is at the NCAA <laughs> level. So I quickly pivoted out of that. Um, but in fairness, I got my master's degree. And um, ironically, my second year there as a GA, I saw a job, an assistant coaching job, open at Boston University. And I had known nothing about Boston University or college coaching, but I wanted to stay involved in soccer. Um, and I was playing, I was playing for the quasi pro team, Boston Renegades, driving back and forth from UConn to Boston with April Cater and Paula Wilkins and Shelly Smith. We were all on the same team. So super, super fun, but we were getting power bars for our pregame meal. So it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable. Right. So we had sure. to, I had to have a career, um, and I saw this job open at Boston University, and I said, why not? I'll try to apply for it, see what this is all about. And in all honesty, I truly believe the first person you work for either inspires you to continue to go on in that career path or you completely go in a different direction. And I was very fortunate to work for Nancy Feldman, who is um, an outstanding person, a wonderful coach, one of my mentors and someone I, I love dearly. So I was very fortunate that she took me in and she had um, it was a club team that she had to kind of merge recruits with the club team. And I don't know how the heck she did it, but she did it with um like I said, a club team and, and college team. So I, I did that for two years and, and I was actually the goalkeeping coach. She sent me to Tony DeChico's goalkeeping school of excellence. And I can, <laughs> I can front smother with the best of them. I'll show you. That <laughs> one time. Um, but that was really eye opening, right? Cause to me, the goalkeeper is a weirdo and there, I don't really get the position. So it was pretty cool that I got to do that. And uh, then an assistant position opened back up at my alma mater with Lenny back at UConn. And I had to jump on that just because that's, I bleed blue and that's where I wanted to be. And uh, I was fortunate Sarah Whalen was at UConn at the time. And we kind of rode, rode into the sunset with her and, and had some good years there. And um, honestly, the, the job at Louisville, the interview at Louisville was really um, practice for me. It was legit practice for me to go on an interview to see 
what it was all about. And I remember investigating Louisville before and thinking, this is terrible. Like, why would I even go on the interview there? And uh, took the interview, met with the AD at the time, Tom Gerich, who has an unbelievable vision for college athletics. And he showed me the facility and he showed me really what sold me was two things is his vision for women's athletics and the people, you know, those were the two things. The campus was average. It wasn't the most beautiful campus, aesthetically pleasing. Um, It was kind of a commuter school when I got there. So I really took it because of the people and because of Tom Jurich's uh, vision. And I truly thought, all right, go take this job. Well, actually, when I didn't want it, then when I got there, I started to feel like, oh, man, I want this job. And then I remember flying home from the interview thinking, if I don't freaking get that job, I'm going to be so (laughs) pissed off. And uh, he called the very next day and offered me the job. And without hesitation, I took it and um, really thought I would go there and they were abysmal. So of course I was a punk New Yorker and thought, ah, come on, I can help them win there. It's easy to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got there and the team hadn't won a game. It won one game in the previous 15 years. So my first year there, we won the first game. So what did that do for my ego? Well, yeah, I thought, <laughs> you were a hero. That's yeah. right. That's totally right. Well, Uh, We went on to lose 18 in a row straight after that one win. So super humbling. And and really, after that first year, I thought, man, maybe I should stick to playing. I was a lot better player than I was a coach. Um, But the only thing I ever knew to do is get up, dust yourself off, look it straight in the eye and and get after it and try to win. And really, I thought if I could win there, ultimately, I'd want to go back to the Big East, which was where... uh, at the time. And Chris, you know, Notre Dame was winning championships there and West Virginia and Villanova, they were legit. Like the big East was a really good league. So, and I had played in that league and that's the league I thought I wanted to ultimately coach in. Um, And then being at Louisville for 21 years has been interesting because we were in conference USA. Then we moved to the big East. So I didn't have to physically pick up and move. Then we moved to the ACC, but we sat in a holding pattern in the AAC for a year. And now here I am. So while most people would have had to pick up and move their destination, their city, their university for their next challenge, um, I was very fortunate that our administration moved into what would ultimately be my next challenge. And I didn't have to move, which was also great because my at the time, boyfriend, now husband, was the, a college coach at Wright State University and then at the University of Cincinnati. So I kind of wanted to stay in that Midwest area to see if if we could make that relationship piece work. And here we are now, still happily married, or he, he might just say married. I would say happily <laughs> married um, with a beautiful son, 12-year-old son, and, and uh, really loving life. And I'll either retire or get fired at the University of Louisville now. I've grown to love the city, the university, the people, and and everything, uh, and obviously my job as well. Fantastic. It's a, it's a, it's a good story, you know, of, of uh, someone not really knowing where they're going, but ending up in a, in a great spot, for sure. I want to ask you about um, our friend Lenny, um, you know, who, who – we both love and and uh, what a fantastic coach and uh, uh, a great person. But 
there are, you know, we had Sarah Barnes on at one time and, and there are some great Lenny stories out there. Right. So what, what do you got for us? You got a good, a good Lenny story for us. You know, Lenny is Lenny is special, man. He really truly is special. He epitomizes balance, right? He never got too worked up with wins or losses. And he always was, I think his side gig was coaching at UConn. His real gig was playing the bazooki. Um, (laughs) And I think that's for sure. That's something he taught me is you can't take yourself too serious. You got to keep this in perspective at the end of the day, it's college soccer. Um, but you know, some of my favorite things about Lenny was he wasn't very restrictive. He didn't have a system or a style. He kind of let you play through your personality and do what you did well. And pregame, he would always say to me, Fergie, just go everywhere. Like, what the <laughs> hell does that mean, right? Would you ever tell any of your players to do that? But it was like inspiring. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go everywhere. Like, what is that about? <laughs> But he's an awesome man. When I went our last game that I played at UConn, he was he met me there at the practice field with a bottle of wine that he crushed the grapes himself and oh probably fermented <laughs> for a while. And just a, yeah. a really neat guy living in Florida now, building yeah. houses, living yeah. on the water. A cool guy to learn from because I would tell you that I had to really troubleshoot and figure out who what my identity as a coach was gonna be because I'm not sure I could really pinpoint outside of him letting players play. And that was his philosophy for sure. Just let the players play. Don't get in their way. Well, now in this age where we use data and science and everything imaginable to coach that um, I always keep that at the back of my mind. At the end of the day, they are kids and give them the freedom to make choices and let them just play. It's awesome. Awesome. We love it. All right. We're going we're gonna to go in the, uh, you know, time machine here. And we want to hear a little bit about your experience on playing in the early days of the national team. We know you were on kind of those first, first teams back when this was all kind of forming in this country. So tell us what that was like. Um, well, I, I was brought in after the 91 World Cup. So that was like a transitional time. A lot of players were leaving. So I think I got an opportunity to come in there for two reasons. One is the transition was happening. And two, Tony DeChico was in Connecticut, right? So I think that he was probably watching a lot of our UConn games. And and he was the assistant for Anson at the time. So I think he did have a lot to do with, with me going in. Um And I truly believe the first time I was called in, it was because somebody had gotten injured and um, I'd gotten a phone call around Christmas time and I was home in New York. And you remember the phones that you had on the wall that had the big long cord all the way far away from your parents. So I took mine upstairs and I took the call and I heard them say, well, I heard probably Aaron Heifetz, who's still there today, invite me to camp at Rutgers. He was like, could you get to Rutgers tomorrow for U.S. national team camp? And I really thought it was like my college teammates playing a joke on me. It's (laughs) it's what I wanted. It's what I trained to do. It's always was my my goal. So at first I was kind of like, they're joking on me. This isn't true. But what if it is? You have to show up. So I, I told my father and I was like, could you get me to Rutgers like tonight? Um, so we, he took me of course, and, uh, I don't know how it all worked out, but I actually wound up being Michelle Aker's roommate, which oh, wow. that's like my idol, right? Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. She was even around in the day of social media or all of the national publicized televised games and everything. Oh, um, hang on. 
Sorry about that. No problem. I'm at home. I got to be domesticated and cook a little too. There you um, go. So she was my roommate, which gosh, being called into the, to the team and then being a roommate with the best player in the world, right. Um, was pretty amazing. Um, I was starstruck. I probably couldn't speak one of the few times in my life that I couldn't speak for the whole week. And, um, Mia Hamm, Christine Lilly, Julie Foudy, Brandy Chastain. I mean, it was that group. So it was definitely surreal. I would pinch myself all the time thinking, how the hell did I get here? And I wasn't, I mean, I obviously, I would still be playing if I was any good, but I was um, very lucky and fortunate to be there. And, and I think I knew my role and I played it well. And I think that got me called back into more and more camps. And I kept winding up being Michelle's roommate, which was pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, and, and we joke, this is a funny story, actually. So the, the phone would ring all the time and it would be like the newspaper people that wanted to talk to Michelle. And I would always answer it. And you went straight to the rooms because we didn't have like code names or anything like that back in the day. And it went straight to the room. And I was always answering and I would have to give it to Michelle because it was a reporter. And then finally the phone rings once and I'm like, I'm not getting it anymore. Um, forget it. It's for you. So she answers and she says, it's for you. It's the Hartford Current. So that's the school, not the school paper, but the paper in Connecticut. And I say, hello, you know, and they're like, oh, we heard you're rooming with Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was such a big deal <laughs> and not so much. <laughs> so that's really awesome. cool because, I mean, Brandy is still awesome. I brought her back to Louisville to speak to our, to the, to the city and to my team and, uh, Lily and Kate Marcraft, Chris, they came into the city when mm -hmm. I first got the job and, and helped me, you know, bring women's soccer to the forefront when we were really terrible. So um, those guys were awesome, really, really awesome people. And then obviously awesome soccer players. I want to, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about, about your team um, at Louisville and, and especially you, know, you had a fantastic player on your team last year in the, in the spring. Uh, M. Ekich and uh, and she's a local player, correct? She is, yeah, yeah. And so, tell me about life after her. What, what's it like? Because she was she was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, honestly, heading into this year, I was very concerned about what life after Amina Ekich was going to look like, and I've been pleasantly surprised with our freshmen and our team in general. So we built for the past four years, I built the team around Amina. So whatever Amina could do well, we showcased that whatever Amina couldn't do well, we tried to hide that and negate that. Well, now not having maybe an Amina Ekic or a superstar to that level, it's more about the team and what can the team do and how can we create an identity without the ball and with the ball without having a superstar. And I'd argue that we might have, uh, a superstar in Nina Nicosia, a, a young kid, but maybe too early to call her that because she still has a lot to prove at this level. But um, I, what Amina could do for us is on the biggest stage, she could win the game for you. For so sure. when the game and the stakes were the highest, that's when Amina was at her best. So we're going to miss that. Obviously, you know, the league we play in. So when it's, if you can hold it zero, zero with someone, I always thought Amina could give us a chance. Now, if we hold it zero, zero with someone, I'm going to have to see, I'm going to have to figure out this year, which, which kid will step up to the plate. Um, 
where I always knew we had that ace in your back pocket that Amina could solve things for you. So um, it's awesome to have her in, in Louisville still. She was just in my office this afternoon. She plays for racing with Cece Kaiser, um, who's excellent, by the way, Matt, as you're well mm-hmm. aware of. But it's um, it's different. But it's also an opportunity for some of these players to step into a bigger role and fill the shoes of a superstar and, and maybe even follow in her role or her shoes and one day play in the league. Pretty awesome. All right. Um, so one of the things I think that is um, is unique about Louisville is, to me, in my opinion, and I've seen most, I haven't seen all, but I think you have the best stadium in the country. Um, I think the stadium is unbelievable. And what kind of impact has that had in your program? Obviously, your first game you ever played there was monumental. Don't know anything <laughs> will ever reach that level. But besides that, what, uh, what, uh, how is that? How is that stadium impact? It's just, it's just gorgeous. Yeah, and and that story is for another day because there was, you know, Matt, there was five other teams that were supposed to play that day. So <laughs> we, uh, we were fortunate that we got to yeah. actually play. Um, yeah, the, the stadium for sure sells itself when we can get kids on campus. I would say the two things for sure is the league, right, and then the stadium. Mm-hmm. So the league for us, we're not necessarily in the footprint as far as being in Tobacco Road, you know, Raleigh area. So in the Midwest, it's Notre Dame and Louisville. And if you can't get into Notre Dame, then you're going to look at Louisville, right? If you, a lot of kids can't get into Notre Dame. So mm-hmm. that's not a bad group to be recruiting from. Yeah. But if you want to stay in the Midwest and you have an interest in playing in the ACC, then we have a shot at you. We get you on campus and then you can see the facility. And I think that that's another piece that sells itself. Um, as you guys both know, at the end of the day, which uh, we're fortunate, academics plays a big role for our kids when they're choosing, right? So that's a big, important piece. And I think what people, uh, maybe until they investigate Louisville, they don't truly understand that it's a really good academic institution as well. Certainly certain niches, um, School of Business is great. Engineering is great. Nursing is great. But I think that's, you know, that when they come on campus, they love the facility and they're pleasantly surprised with the academic reputation and then the city itself. I'll say this for you. If I'm picking between Notre Dame and Louisville, I'm going to Louisville every time. Come at me with Notre Dame. You can't get in. That's right. That's nothing to do with it. Like really good students can't get into Notre Dame. Chris, you know that. So that's that's okay. That's no problem. Yeah. Tell me about uh, you know you've got you've got the NWSL franchise there, right? Tell me what's that uh, what's that like? How has that that helped your program and 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 yeah. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I think another selling point about Louisville in general is women athletes matter. On our campus at UofL, women athletes are a big deal. And and that was because my athletic director who hired me, um, Tom Jurich, he had twin daughters that played field hockey. So he wanted them and they played at UofL. So he wanted them to have championship level opportunities and experiences. So he built this state of the art field hockey facility that they do the final four at because he wanted his women, his daughters to have opportunities. Well, it didn't just stop with his daughters. It kind of carried through and trickled through all the women's sports. And then I, I think you'll even see that, matter in that the only pro team in the city is a women's pro soccer team in racing Louisville. So women are a big deal at the university and women are a big deal because of racing Louisville. Um, and they draw a great crowd. I mean, you're getting five to 7,000 people at games and 
they're rabid fans. Like they genuinely love it. And, and, and right now, obviously we're going through a little bit of a coaching change, but that's not stopped them from coming out and, and they'll continue to, to support the team. And it's a, it's really a cool place to be as a female who's super invested in sports. Awesome. All right. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but we want to kind of go back to it. Tell us about the difficulty of playing in the ACC. What difficulty? <laughs> what are you talking about? Wouldn't everyone schedule? Yes. Notre, uh, Notre Dame, Florida State, Virginia, Clemson in a row? Like, yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. That should be fun. That's, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. Like, what, what's kept me sane is not viewing losing as failing because you could lose three games in a row and be really freaking good in this league. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a big piece for us and for my players is that we have to always keep our eye and focus on the process. We could play really, really well against Virginia and lose. I mean, majority of the country loses to Virginia, but we've got to stay focused on how did that game help us continue to get better, grow and develop and, and ultimately put us in a chance to one day beat teams like Virginia. So, um, it's incredibly challenging. What I love about it is there's some really high level coaches. So just when you think you've got something sorted out, nope, Mark Krikorian's got something else. up. <laughs> um, so it's, and, and, you know, Steve Swanson, I mean, it's, it's got some high level coaches, obviously. So, um, and beyond that, the players can solve problems at a completely different level than maybe even they're being coached to do both physically, technically, tactically. So um, a great challenge for us as coaches and certainly for the team as players and us as a program. Um, but I love the league. I mean, it, it really provides us with a platform to continue to grow and develop and, and get into the NCAA tournament. You mentioned earlier about um you know, going through that process of changing conferences. And I think you mentioned that, you know, you've been in three different conferences since you've, you've been there. Um, as you're going through that process, you know, what is that like? And it, like, are you, are you trying to sort of recruit for the ACC before you get there? Or are you, you know, knowing that, Hey, we're, you know, we're not quite there right now. And like, how, how does all that work for you? How did it work for you? Yeah. Well, and you guys know, cause we recruit so far out that really when we moved into the ACC, the the good thing for us was that we sat in that holding pattern for a year in the AAC. Um, but the bad thing is, is we're two or three years out in recruiting. So no disrespect for the players that we had in the ACC the first two years, but they weren't recruited to play in the ACC. So it was, you know, it took a while as it does to win and to build a program, to do it the right way. You can't do it overnight. So um, Nikki is O'Brown told me when I took the job initially, she said, it's going to, if you do it right, it'll take you five years. And when I was in conference USA, she was right. It took five years. And we got to the conference championship in conference USA, my fifth year. And then we moved into the big East and it took five years and we won the division championship in the big East, uh, you know, in five years. Now, here we are seven years in the ACC. While we haven't won it, (laughs) I feel really good about being in the middle of it. I mean, you guys know you could be the ninth or 10th best team in the ACC and and have a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So 
again, is not viewing losing as failing and, and seeing every opportunity we get to get better playing against the the teams and the coaches that we play against. And um, it's been awesome to, to move through those three different leagues. And now we're recruiting ACC level players. Kids legit want to come to us because they want to play in the league and, or ultimately with the national team or professionally. Awesome. All right, Fergie, two last questions for you. Um, first is, I can't believe Chris didn't bring this up, but uh, the Kentucky Derby, right? The To me, one of the best sporting events of the year, if not the best sporting event of the year. What is the biggest ticket you've cashed? Oh, I don't even bet. I'm not joking. Um, my husband well, is like a diehard. Chris knows this. He's like, he might be at Churchill Downs right now and told me he was going to pick up our son. But he's like <laughs> legit loves the horses. And he, he's cashed some big ones um, yeah. for sure, which is, I always know if we go out to dinner, the level of restaurant <laughs> we go to after the derby. If it's a nice steakhouse, I know he won. He holds it pretty close. He's not really yeah. telling me how much. That means bet a lot. If you win a lot, right, you have to bet a yeah. lot. So That's right. Yeah. He's really yeah. not telling me the the total, yeah. but I, I'll be honest. I bet like you know, if it's called a cool name like Irish Elegance, I'll bet on something like that because the name is cool. I have no idea about the horses, but. Churchill Downs is a bucket list item for everyone. It is the city comes alive. The 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 Churchill Downs itself is magnificent. It's electric. It is legit the greatest two minutes in sports. So it is definitely an experience that everybody should should do. You know, you know, Kurt Fergie, I tell you the story. We were at uh, PDA. Chris and I and Brian and actually another one of our friends. Oh, actually, it's Todd the picker. So we're saying, hey, let's go to the track. We haven't been to the track. We all like the track. So we go to the track. Yeah, the picker didn't bet much, but we wanted to go to the track. Well, we pull up into um, what, what? what is it, Chris, the one in, in uh, by? Uh, it was, uh, well, it's the Meadowlands, right? Meadowlands. Yeah. Pull up the Meadowlands. Bruce Springsteen is performing in the um, Nets Arena, whatever that's called, right oh, there. Yeah. Right. And it's just about to kick off. And we're like, Chris, let's go see Bruce. Right. He's right here. I mean, we had no idea. So I'm like, we can scalp tickets. We can get tickets, whatever. No, Chris made us go to the horse track. You believe that? What? The horse is no, over Bruce Springsteen. He had seen Bruce 14 times in the last three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true, but still. Still, we picked, he picked the horses over Bruce. Uh, yeah, anyway, I like the horses. I never let him live that I down like either. Horses. And I lost <laughs> a lot of money that day, too. <laughs> I, I, Chris, I remember you liked the horses. When we were in San Diego, right? Was it San Diego with the national mm, team? You yes. always wanted to go to that unbelievable park, which was pretty cool. Uh, but I didn't bet then. Santa Anita? Is that Santa Anita? I think yeah. that was it. Yeah. Unbelievably yeah. gorgeous. I could sit there and, and look at the skyline forever. <laughs> really nice. Awesome. All right, Fergie, last one. We'll let you go. Um, just take a, a few minutes and tell us about, I know you've mentioned it some, but give us a little um, love for, for uh, the University of Louisville. Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, the, the two words that everybody uses when they come on campus is pleasantly surprised. Right. So we are right past 65. You've probably driven past our campus, but never bothered to get off and look at the campus or see it in its totality. And it really is, um, you know, we have the amenities of downtown, but we aren't a downtown campus. So we have borders and we have campus and we have on campus living. And it's a it's a metropolitan medium sized university that is situated in the northernmost southern city 
And it's just great people, great academics once you investigate it a little bit more. And again, the big thing I, I would tell you is women matter. Women athletes matter in the city of Louisville. And, and that's got to account for something for, for, for parents, right? I always talk to for our sure. kids. Uh, recruits and our current players we talk about being strong powerful confident badass women and what a better what a better way to do that in a city that absolutely wants you to be strong powerful confident and a badass i love Love when uh when long island fergie comes out (laughs) (laughs) always so much fun (laughs) how's it is fergie sold i'm coming where do i sign up love it love it love it well this has been great fergie thanks so much for coming on college soccer nation we hope you're a new fan um, and, and certainly, um, good luck as the ACC season kicks off. We know you'll do great. Awesome. I'm a big fan of you guys. And now I'm totally listening to the podcast. I'm there you go. <laughs> like it. Like Thank it. You we'll guys. get them Chris All one right. fan at a time. That's one right. fan at a time. <laughs> All right, Fergie. See you. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya. She's always so fun to talk to Chris. I, I right. enjoy her a ton. Ever I see her on the road, it's always fun to talk to her and, uh, they're doing a great job. All right, let's go on uh, Power 5. Now, I do have some concerns about my list. I will say that. Okay. And I do have a few questions. Like, All right. So this was my topic, so I'll, I'll answer the question. Yeah, this is your topic. I, can't, I have my five. Uh, are these, like, superpowers that I have to go fight bad guys with, or are these just my everyday around Oxford, Mississippi? I got these superpowers. Well, I think like, how, how am I using I these? I think both. I, I, that's up to you how you use them. Use them however you want, but... Certainly, you know, you have them with you every day. So if you happen to get in a fight against a villain, you would have this superpower. If you didn't get in a fight against the villain, you'd just be it'd be in reserve. You know, you could use it whenever you need. You get a lot of fights with villains there in Dallas, do you? You run across a lot of villains? You never know what you're going to run into, Matt. You never know. (laughs) All right, let's do it. (laughs) Let's do it. Oh, this is going to be something. All right. All right, here we go. The nonsense begins now. Yes. All right. Yeah, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first. All right, your number five super uh, power super is power. immortality. What's that even mean? That means I can't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's not a superpower, is it? That's a superpower. I mean, it's kind of lame, Chris. I mean, is I know you get old. I know you get older, so you're worried about it. That's a pretty but, good one. I mean, come on. It's a pretty good one. That's a pretty yeah, good one. Yes, it's, it's a little weak. The uh, producer likes it. All right, my number five, super strength. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to trump your number five with my number four. Okay, my number four is invulnerability. So oh, that means that, like, if you have super strength and someone shoots you, the bullet would kill you. But if you're invulnerable, then the bullet the bullet can't kill you. So I think mine really kind of kills yours. So you're never going to die, and you can't ever get hurt. That's right. Oh, you're the greatest ever. That's you're the greatest ever. You're the greatest ever. You're the greatest ever. And these are your five and four. I can't wait to see what the rest of them are. All right. So my number four. Yeah. I, I like this one. I like this one. I can turn into any animal I want. So I can be a bird and fly around. I can be, I can be, a, you know what I mean? I want to be a whale. I want to be a whale in the water. I want to be a whale, Chris. Be a, actually, I want to be a shark. Sharks, sharks, badass, right? 
I can turn into any animal I want. Okay. You like that one? That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's try with that. That's, uh, yeah, that's silly. But yeah. What about a bear? Good. It could be a bear. <laughs> bear. Bears, bears tough. All right. Your number, your number three. Number three is something that um, everybody wants. Super speed. I don't have that down in something. Yeah. Doesn't do a lot for me. Okay. Super speed. Where are you gonna where are you gonna go? How are you gonna catch me? I don't need to catch I'll be a bird flying over your head, flying faster yeah, than you'll be able to catch me. I'll be too fast. Super speed, stupid. All right, number number three for me. This one I really want. Read minds. Read your mind, see what you're thinking. So you look at me and you're like, oh Matt, you're so stupid. But I really know you're thinking, God, that was a good idea. Right? Yeah. So I gotta read your mind. That's really dumb. That, that's that's not really going to help you that much. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm living my everyday life here in Oxford, Mississippi. You're out trying to solve crimes and fighting yeah. villains. There yeah. are no villains in Oxford. Everybody loves Oxford. Okay. All right. Number yeah. two. Um, flight. Being able to fly. So you got super speed. You can't just fly with your super speed going so fast. Wouldn't you be able to fly? Why no, you got to get you somewhere fly. twice? No, super speed is when you're running. Yeah, but why are you going to flash fly? Do you? Why <laughs> he's running so fast? You don't see him. I think that's weak. All right, my number two. You ready? Yeah, Mr. Miyagi healing. Because I'm a giver, Chris. I'm trying to help people. I want to help people. I get healing. I'm going to heal people that get injured. What? Right. So if somebody gets hurt, I can go and heal them. I'm a healer. Yeah, but you're going to get hurt. I'm not getting hurt. I have super strength. You don't have any good superpowers. Of course you're getting hurt. I'm an animal. I'm going to jump away as a jackrabbit. (laughs) This is so stupid. This is the stupidest one we've ever done (laughs) by far. All right. I bet we both have the same number one. Uh, Go ahead. Number one for me is invisibility. Me too. Boom. Nailed it. Nailed it. You finally got one right. Finally got one right. All right, so go ahead. Your five are. Oh boy, uh, in mortality, immortality. I can't even say half a years. Yeah, immortality, <laughs> invulnerability, super speed, Stupid. flight, and invisibility. Mine are super strength, being able to turn into an animal. <laughs> I like that one. You never know, Darren. Quit shaking your head. Uh, read minds. That's a good one. You got to admit that's a good one. No, it's not. Healing, because I'm a giver, unlike you, I'm a giver, and invisible. Okay. All right. There we'll we see. have it. We'll I don't see. feel good about my list. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> don't feel good about it. Uh, this is your idea, so I let you have one. Okay, one. thanks. You win once a, once a year, that's fine. Thanks. All right. Uh, let's move on. Big games for the week are? Yeah, starting conference play. Many of the league's starting conference play. So Clemson, Pittsburgh. Kicks off the uh, ACC is a big one. Uh, I talked a little bit about Seattle and Washington. Yeah. ECU and Pepperdine. Um, again, Pepperdine, we don't, we, we're not quite sure on them, but we, we know that, that that should be a good game. Big game in the, in the SEC, Arkansas and Tennessee. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Tennessee is, uh, is one of those teams that looks really, really good. I haven't given up a goal yet, and they're winning a lot. I'm not sure how how tough their schedule's been, but they're, uh, they're winning a lot. A good win down in South Florida for sure. Is that, um, is that the winner of the West and the winner of the East against each other from last year? It is. Uh, oh, very good, Chris. Okay. Yeah, impressive. Good. 
Uh, probably, probably the biggest game of the week is uh, North Carolina and Duke. Um, yeah, huge, right? We'll huge. Yeah, we'll huge. see who comes out on top there. Denver against Colorado, uh, up in the mountains. Um, Rutgers and Penn State. Mm. And uh, Stanford and uh, Santa Clara. So yeah, we'll, good one. So Rutgers, Penn State. So we'll find that, that answer out early, won't we? Yes, for sure. It'll be very interesting. You know, it's always interesting, right? They're coming off the loss to Georgetown. Penn State's coming off the two huge wins in the ACC country. Where will it go? Is the question. Yeah. Um. All right. I think that's it, Chris. That's, that's it. been a long show tonight. Been a good yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take it out. All College right, Soccer Nation. College Soccer Nation for this Monday, September 13th. Conference season starting. Conference game starting. Chris, good luck to you. Good luck to the big deal. And for this night, College Soccer Nation is over. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can email them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olmis.edu. College Soccer Nation is a production of DJM Productions.